When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And good morning. Chris Doring, kind enough to uh, join us earlier, so we'll have a little more time, which I'm excited about. We get to catch up with him a couple of times a year. And uh, this is the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. Your SEC insider hit this morning is brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue, the official health care provider of the Out of Bounds Show. You can watch the show right now on YouTube. Search Out of Bounds Sports. And Chris Doring with the SEC Network, All-American wide receiver at Florida, a decade in the NFL. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. CD, good morning. How are you, bud? Good morning, man. It's been a minute. How you doing? It has been a while, and I'm fired up that you're back with us. You know, we were talking about Florida, and Blake, my my producer, is 31. So he didn't grow up. I started Mississippi State 92 and by then, y'all were the high-flying act of the SEC. And y'all owned the SEC in the 90s. And y'all were doing stuff that had never been done before. So it was really cool to see what was going on. And you got to be a part of that. And at a cool position, too, where most yeah. college teams were not using that position, as you know. They were still, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. It caught Pat Dye and Dooley and Fulmer and all those dudes off guard. So, and then y'all become a power. You win three national championships, so on. If What can you put your finger on? Because, look, CD, I think you've had two guys go through that they may not be great, but I still think they're legit, that look like they had it rolling and imploded but right before our eyes in Michael Wayne and Mullen. And the last, you know, post, post-urban. And so, and I got to see what, Mullen did here, and it's tough to win in this state at State or Ole Miss. So, if you had to put your finger on it as a former player who's really, really close to the deal, why haven't they been able to get this thing right in Gainesville? 
Well, one, I, I want to go back. It's funny you, you talked about those early years of Florida. I was literally talking about it last night with one of my buddies uh, about what a cool experience it was. You know, I didn't get to Florida until 91, but 90 was Coach Furrier's debut, and I remember vividly that Oklahoma State game where he just comes out with Shane Matthews throwing the ball all over the yard, putting 50-plus up, and that was the tone setter for the rest of the 12 years that, that Coach Furrier would be there. And, and uh, you know, a lot of what you see in – offensive football today not only in college but the nfl was being done by coach Furrier before anybody else was doing it four or five wide receivers you know spreading the ball throwing it vertically um emphasis on the passing game so i i just feel so grateful to have been a part of uh such a revolutionary time here not only at the university of florida and the sec but in the landscape of college football in general and so um you know i think there's part of it is is what the expectation level is right i mean you're your expectation for Florida is much different than than probably you know your producers uh, or you know people that are um, maybe haven't necessarily you know, seen some of those glory years of of, of the '90s and what Coach Spurrier did. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things is that there's a lot of 16, 17, 18 year old kids that don't look at Florida the same way that that you and I looked at Florida uh, or Florida State or Miami for that matter coming out of the state. You know, it used to be a big deal to go to one of the big three. It's not that way anymore. I mean, Alabama comes in, gets the pick of the litter. Clemson comes in, gets whoever they want. Georgia, LSU, I mean, there are uh, a lot of different, you know, big-time college football programs that come in and mine some of the best players. So until you're able to start keeping some of those guys at home, it's going to be tough to, to regain the, the status of, of where Florida was in the in the 90s and beyond. Um, you know, secondly, I think it, it comes down to one simple thing. I don't know. I don't think there's a more important position in all of sports than the quarterback. Yep. Like it or not, um, the quarterback is always going to get way more credit than they deserve and way more blame when things go poorly. But it literally is the most important position because of everything they're tasked to do, especially nowadays with the the run game involved, quarterback run game, and how you know that that's changed football. So Florida just hadn't hit, man. When 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 Tebow left after 2009. Florida walked through a desert of, of quarterbacks and, and couldn't find the right one. And in some cases, the right one was probably on the roster. Look at how long Jacoby Brissett's been in the in the NFL, or even Great Jeff Driscoll, how long he had a chance. I mean, those guys didn't get developed. So it's, it's, it's not only you know recruiting the right guy, but, but developing them and putting them in a position to be successful. Uh, you go back and look at, um, you know, for those that are listening that are Ole Miss fans, remember Florida had – pretty good one that uh ended up getting suspended right after the old miss game uh a few years back and and ultimately um landed in in uh at west virginia yeah. and i'm going blank you know will greer little, uh, will greer yeah uh, so it, the quarterback position has just kept florida from being able to get to where they need to get where they have been in the past and, and even the one good quarterback that florida had um and kyle trask was on the bench and, and, and only got in there because of some luck you know, with with you know, I hate to say luck, but Felipe Frank's getting injured and found his way on the field right. and end up taking Florida to the SEC championship. But that 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 was it, man. And that's where it gets weird. Chris Doring, SEC Network, or hard to I think uh, explain is that even though y'all been out in no man's land since since '09, um, you know you've still been in Atlanta. Uh, several times you you played in New not Year's because, Day, not because of Florida's success. Now let's be honest; those, those two years of Florida win under McAway were you know largely because the East was really down. Yeah, um, you know I do think you know Florida you were trash and they went a couple years back. Twenty twenty, it was a weird season, right? Was that that was the pandemic affected year and and uh, 
you know, Florida played Alabama really well in that game, but I, I would say a lot of the success that Florida had before that was probably more about the lack of real talent in the East as opposed right. to, to Florida being an elite team in the same class as the top teams in the West. Okay, so so McIlwain and Mullen, you know, and I, McIlwain seems to be, a, you know, a good guy. Um, and and then Mullen, you know, I mean, Dan may not be a great guy, but he's a hell of a football coach. And so those things, for a second there, look like they're rolling the right way. I just wonder if the shadow of Spurrier and urban is so much that it it trips you up at some point, or is that nonsense? I'm going down the wrong road. What, what where am I going here, CD? I think I mean I think there's some of it. You know, I think the, nobody wanted the job after Coach Spurrier left um, because of how big those shoes were to fill. Um, you know, Coach Spurrier left after 12 years, and one of the things he said on the way out the door was, you know, that it got to a point where the the feeling of the wins could never offset the disappointment of the losses. Uh, the expectation was too high. Not only did you have to win, you had to win scoring 50 points a game with an offensive style of football that was fun and entertaining. I mean, go back and look at Will Muschamp, I think, in Will's, I want to say, second year. They win, what, 10 or 11 games. They're like a player or two away from getting into the national championship game, potentially. Uh, they, they they end up going to to uh, the Sugar Bowl and lose to, to Louisville in that one, but like it just wasn't pleasing to the fans because they were doing it with defense and they were close games and it was wasn't entertaining and and you know I think you, you go back and and look you've you've had some coaches that are you know pretty I I think Will Muschamp is a really really good coach I think he had some bad luck I think Ron Zook had some really bad luck Ron Zook that that team that Urban Meyer won the national championship win was largely recruited by no by, doubt by Ron Zook so. I don't think people give him the credit that he deserves, but yeah, yeah, two two legends in Coach Burrier and and Urban Meyer make it uh, daunting to live up to what the expectation level is, and, and a lot of people will take the job because of you know the money that's being offered and, and the you know, not not facilities facilities now are coming along, but uh, because of what's at your uh, fingertips in terms of of things that you need to be successful, but just the the, the overall pressure and expectation. I, there's there's idiots talking about. Billy Napier being on the hot seat heading into the second year. I mean, what kind of uh, reality are we living in? Mm, yeah, you got to give somebody some time, uh, especially after you thought uh, the first two or three years you had was, was Dan three or four. Was it was the implosion in year three or four? I think it was in the fourth year. Wasn't okay, it? okay, it was. it was. And and back to back New Year's Six bowl games. I'm pretty sure. And like yep. you said, he he played Bama well into the fourth quarter and then beat. Harbaugh and Mich- embarrassed Harbaugh in Michigan, I think, yeah. in the Chick Fil A Bowl or something. Yeah. So, uh, I thought he did a remarkable job with Kyle Trask. Uh, and and you, you know this, hey, you're 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 a smart guy. You've been around him. Before. The guy can you say what you want about him. Maybe, maybe say what you want about his work ethic as it relates to recruiting. The dude can draw up ball plays and yes. dial up ball plays. Yes. I mean, he's a very offensive mind. Um, and, and go back and look at the, that that year that Florida went. Or a couple of years there where they were having a lot of success, it was Kyle Trask. And then, you know, you look at Kyle Pitts, who was a generational-type tight end, Kadarius Toney, who was an absolute freak. I mean, they had some really unique players. But I think, in going back to your question, one of the other things that Florida, you know, as it relates specifically to the recruiting, what happened to the days of having those lines of scrimmage that you're used to seeing? Florida had a history, dating back even to, like, Trace Armstrong, Wilbur Marshall back in the, in the 80s. I mean, you had dudes that were – 
freakish style defensive line, outside linebackers, guys that could rush the passer, guys that could, you know, penetrating the run game up front. Florida hadn't had that in a long time. You you've looked at, at the the teams comparatively at the top of the, the league and what Florida has looked like. They just haven't had the lines of scrimmage to be able to um, compete against the elite programs. And, and and nowadays in college, it's not not just about having those guys. It's having you know two and three waves of them. You have to have depth of talent. Right. And there's not a whole lot of guys walking the planet Earth that are big enough, strong enough, agile enough to play the defensive line position, the way it has to be played in the SEC. So if you miss out on some of those guys that are coming from your own state, man, it makes it tough to play catch-up. Chris Doring with the SEC Network, All-American for the Gators, wide receiver in the 90s. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line talking about Florida football and if and when they'll be back. Um, Okay, well, what is the conversation like down in Gainesville? Is it... I mean, you are a former star there, so I can't imagine how many people approach you, uh, especially in the off season. I know you're in Charlotte a good bit during the season. Is it almost a defeated approach? I mean, is it still hungry? What What are the conversations like, CD? It's a, it's a wide range of you know um, of, of being out of touch with reality, of um, apathy, of um, you know overall. Anxiety. Uh, I'd say um, <laughs> I was at this uh, retirement party for a guy I know the other day, and, and uh, got into a Florida football conversation, and, and that was like the day or two after I think the Vegas odds came out for over under on Florida's win total. Florida, Florida's got the second least projected wins in the conference, just ahead of, of Vanderbilt with the five and a half wins, and it is a very difficult schedule. Good hell! I, I don't think people realize the undertaking. That, that that Coach Napier was faced with, you know, in terms of rebuilding the roster. Last year w- was year zero, if we're being honest. I mean, you know, you, you're going to see some improvement this year, I think, in terms of the roster and understanding scheme and, um, you know, listening to Coach Napier during the spring talking about how much better he expects the offense to be. I don't know if that's true. I mean, you're, you're losing a, you know, a number four quarterback overall in the NFL draft, and, and that in and of itself was frustrating with the inconsistencies in production that you had offensively. And I agree, you know, you had another year under the belt, but, like, do you have the right guy at the quarterback position? They, they seem all in on Graham Mertz. Who knows how that, that plays out. But, um, you know, I, I just I think that, you know, it, Florida fans don't really realize this was a, this was a complete – rebuild a tear down to the studs and start over again and i have guys talking to me oh man they're, they're gonna win they're gonna win seven or eight games this year you look at that schedule you tell me where seven or eight games comes from you start the season on a thursday night in salt lake city uh you play lsu from the from the west you play arkansas from the west like you know what you got to play in georgia and, and tennessee and kentucky are in better positions than you are right now hell you yeah. just lost to vandy last year like <laughs> i i just i you tell me where you you even exceed the five-and-a-half win total that's been set by Vegas. All right. I'm looking at the schedule, and you're right. And and you don't – even though Napier got everybody excited and Anthony Richardson last year with the win over Utah and Whittingham, um, you're right, man. You don't – It was the worst thing that could have happened for Florida It really was. 
for Florida to come out and win that game the way they did with Anthony Richardson looking like Superman, all of a sudden Florida vaults up to number 12 in the, in the polls. You're thinking, wow, oh, here man. we go. Like, it, it couldn't have set the bar any more unrealistically high than, than what it did. And, and I think that you know, gave Florida fans some false hope and set them up for some disappointment. Um, but with that being said, I mean, that's what's frustrating because you look at what he was able to do in that game. Even in the loss against Tennessee, he was awesome. Um, you were handcuffed some because of Jack Miller's injury in the preseason, didn't really have a backup quarterback all year, so you're trying to protect Anthony Richardson and not put him in harm's way, but you didn't get the full usage out of what his capabilities are. Um, I, I just... I, I think you, you look at the the things that that happened last year, and there are some some signs of real hope and and, and growth. But I just I don't I think he, what he was able to do, running the football and making plays again, kind of shadow overshadowed how deficient the the, the talent was in a lot of places on that roster offensively. Yeah, you got to go to LSU, at South Carolina, at Kentucky, and you mentioned at Utah. This isn't a good schedule for Napier in in year two. Uh, tell me about Graham Mertz. Is, is is he a dual threat guy? Can can he make it happen with his legs? Yeah, I don't. I, you know, he's a five star guy coming out of high school. Um, you know, I get the feeling that he's tracing he's chasing this projection of who he was supposed to be coming out of high school. The per, the, the guy has a, a tremendous debut at Wisconsin. Has been chasing that success ever since. You know, to the point where I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself. Uh, that's one of the things the coaches talked to me about, you know, when I was getting ready for the spring game was just, hey, we're asking him just to play within the offense here. And, they, and everybody raves about how intelligent he is, um, you know, the command of the offense that he has uh, come, comes in, you know, early in spring and, and just dives into the playbook and, and constantly wants more. How this offense, you know, is kind of tagged with, a lot of different quarterback options to be able to, to get him to the right play. So utilizing a little bit of that football IQ more than maybe he was given the opportunity to at Wisconsin. Um, you know, a chance to – I honestly think if you go back and watch the spring game, the defense looked pretty good. I'm fired up about Austin Armstrong, the defensive coordinator that comes over from, from uh, Southern Miss and Alabama most recently. But, um, you know, I think the – I believe in, in – well, from the – let me start over – I, I believe in Coach Napier. I think he's going to be successful. I think he's the right guy for the job. I just think there needs to be some patience. Now, with that being said, yeah, I think he's really good at being able to engineer a run game. I look no further than the jump they made from, um, you know, from Mullins last season to what they did last year running the football. So I, I think they'll be able to create some offense with the offensive line. They were missing two starters during the spring game. Um, so that, those guys will be good. The running backs, that, that, that group is as deep as any running back group in the country. And um, so I think they'll, they'll play defense. I think they'll generate some run game. I think they'll be involved in a lot of close games. I just don't see Graham Mertz as a guy that's going to go out and, and put the team on his shoulders uh. and, and carry you to victory throwing the football you know, 30 or 40 times a game. So maybe, maybe that's not who they're going to be. Maybe he's the perfect fit for what they want to be and, and just not making mistakes. If you're playing those defensive games, the close games, running the ball, you can't afford to turn the football over. You can't afford to, to, to not convert third and shorts. And, and so maybe he's the right guy to, to fit into what they want to be from a, from a characteristic standpoint offensively. All right, let's switch gears. CD, Chris Doring, you see him every week on the SEC Network throughout football season. All-American at Florida under Spurrier. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. So let's start with Georgia. They were little brother once Spurrier came in. And y'all rolled 
for 20 years, and now this thing is flipped. How difficult has that been for Gator Nation? Uh, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic in general because growing up a Gator fan myself in the 80s, you know, Georgia owned Florida, and it was uh, very disappointing every year to get your hopes up and get them dashed by Buck Ballou to Lindsey Scott or Herschel Walker running for, you know, carrying the team to 44 nothing victory. Like, I remember these things vividly as a young fan. Um, and then Coach Burrier shows up in 1990 and said, hey, our number one goal is to beat Georgia. Like, everything that we want to accomplish on our goal list starts with beating Georgia, and he was right. I mean, that, that carried us to when the divisions got split up and winning the East and getting the SEC championship games and ultimately winning national titles. Like, that was the, the overall key. And to have that sort of dominance for, for two decades, in a way, you know, Georgia regaining some of their success and, and beating Florida was the best thing that could have happened for the rivalry because I think that the Florida-Georgia rivalry fell way down on the list of Florida rivals for Florida fans. It was Florida State. It was Tennessee. It was, you know, an LSU sure. after those Tebow years. Like, um, but I, I think that that is the number one game on the on the schedule now for Florida fans, as it should be. It's such a special rivalry to, to be a part of and, and the setting there in Georgia. I know there's a lot of talk lately about moving it out of Jacksonville, but it's such a, a unique game that's different than every other. And I played in those, you know, the 94, 95 games when they were redoing the stadium for the Jags and played in Gainesville against them and played in, in uh, Athens against them. So I, I understand it, but it felt like another SEC game, and in a, a college football landscape and an SEC that is changing as quickly as things are, I think it's important that you cling to some of the tradition that's made your conference so great, and that, that's that's one of them. So keeping the game there and, and having it front and center on, on Florida's schedule of, of uh, games that the fans want to win is important. You just you hope that they can you know, start to, to win a few more of them so it doesn't go the other way and the uh, apathy doesn't set in there. But um, I do think that uh, right now it seems like a chasm between where Georgia is, where everybody else is, and certainly where Georgia is and where Florida is right now. Okay, so that game could move home and home. Um, and and I've been to the cocktail party. Obviously, I, I'd forgotten that, that you ended up playing in Athens and Gainesville because of uh, NFL, I guess, stadium renovations, Jaguar mm-hmm. stuff. Um, if that happens and if y'all drop Florida State, because we let's say we go to the three permanent, six rotating CD. Well, hold on, what are we talking about? Drop Florida State. So it, let's just say, let's say that it's not a mandated Power Five game anymore from the comp. If we if we bump it up to nine games, right? If and and we go three permanent and six rotating, I wonder if Florida Florida State will will continue, or if. Strickland and the Florida Brass will look at it and say, hey, man, we just went from eight conference games to nine conference games. Let's get out of this thing. What are your no thoughts? No way that goes away. I mean, okay. I, I, I have a hard time believing that would happen. I, I, then again, I had a hard time believing in the 80s that the Miami game would go away, and I think it's been bad for the state. I think it's important that you play your, your rivals within the state. Um, you know, that's such a, again, <laughs> another rivalry that's kind of flipped here with, with Florida State seeming like they're moved ahead of Florida. So, um, that's one that I think the back on the, the, the headliner of the schedule for, for Florida fans, you know, I think they're going to be really good this year with Jordan Travis returning for another season. So I, I do think that one stays around. I, it, it, the, the, the best thing that could be happening right now 
is the, the 12-game college football playoff expansion. That gives you the margin for error that you need to play more difficult schedules. I think I, I don't know if you're going to be in Destin. I'll be there in a couple weeks, but I think we get the announcement about the, the nine-game schedule and the, the three permanent rivals. I don't know that we'll get the announcement on who those rivals are or what the schedule is going to look like, but I do think we'll, we'll get that nine-game announcement when we get to spring meetings in a couple weeks. Um, but I think, you, you, you know, I, I'm excited about what that, that means to – you know, put put more meaningful games on the schedule. Let's get rid of these FCS games. I've talked before that those need to be spring games. Give them a chance to make some money in the spring. Make it a TV event. Make it something people want to come out to during the spring. But during the fall, let's play good competition. Because not only you know is it great for the television contracts, these teams they need to put people in the stadium. Not only because of you know selling tickets and booster fees, but like today's student is tomorrow's booster. If you're going to continue to support the program, you have to have engagement from the students that are in school right now. And I think that's one of the scary things about the prospects of the future is just how disconnected so many students are at uh, universities across the country. We're going to leave it there. Chris Storing, CD, SEC Network, All-American at Florida, walking us through what's going on in Gainesville. And he's right. Uh, We should learn, you know, what the three permanent and six rotation Looks like now with uh, Oklahoma and Texas coming in. Hope to see you down in Sandestin. Be good, CD. We appreciate you. Thank you, bro. Chris Storing, All-American at Florida, under Steve Spurrier, a decade in the NFL. Now you see him every weekend on the SEC Network with the crew. It is the uh, best college football show on TV uh, Saturday throughout the day, but Saturday night and then running it again on Sunday morning. Good morning. Welcome in. We are the Out of Bounds Show. We're brought to you by Blue Cross, Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be Blue, the official health care provider of the Out of Bounds Show. If you missed that interview in a couple of hours, it will be on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Search Out of Bounds with Bow Bounds. We would appreciate you hitting that subscribe button.